Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today we're talking about sins of immaturity. God wants you to pass immaturity and become a full-grown, mature believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's plan for you. Today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about sins of immaturity, how to walk beyond those and become a full, mature believer, leading others to the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy. It is great to have you here today. And I wanna welcome new uh, people that are watching the program. You've never seen this before. Welcome to it. I'm sure you're gonna enjoy it. It's simply me taking and explaining the Word of God. That's my gift. I am a teacher. I was a pastor for 33 years, remain a teacher today, and I love teaching the Word of God. And God has gifted me in that area. I don't compete with anybody else who's a prophet. I don't compete with anybody else who's a, another style of teacher in the body of Christ. I am me and I am unique. And there's a certain group of people that just enjoy following after me. In fact, many have become committed so that they are partners with me, not only in prayer, but also in giving of finances. I need both. Yes, I have God, but God actually enables me through people. And he enables me through the prayers of people who watch the program and those who give also to it to become a partner with me. Say, yeah, but if God brings the program, can't he bless it? Yes, he can. But here's the point. God depends on people too. The power, the anointing, the gifting comes from God, but the funds to have this thing uh, be uh, brought to you and also to expand around the world comes from people who give. Thank you for faithfully giving. And if you would like to become a faithful partner with me, well, then go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find a place there that you can become a partner with me. And I thank you in advance. I'm not telling you what to give. You give whatever God lays on your heart. And if God doesn't lay something on your heart, then give as you purpose in your heart. You can make up your own mind about it. And then again, once it happens, start being faithful and just give it each and every month. Thank you for it. Today, I wanna to talk to you about sins of immaturity. Sins of immaturity, come back to this, that God wants you to grow up and no longer be immature, but to be mature. The first thing God wants you to do is be born again. Jesus was uh, preaching and teaching on the streets. And it says, and when he was, it says, many believed in him. This is John chapter eight. Many believed in him. Jesus discerned it inside of himself. I mean, a word of knowledge came to him. Many of those people out there are receiving me as Lord and Savior. Then it went on to say, and he said to those who just believed in him, now, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you know the truth, the truth will make you free. The end result of hearing the gospel is not to become a child of God. The end result of hearing the gospel and becoming a Christian is to become a fully mature man and woman of God, which can lead others to the Lord. This is called discipleship. A convert gets to go to heaven, but disciples takes other people with him. And this is why God wants us to be disciples, to become a real soul winner, a real minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk today about sins of immaturity. And uh, take a look with me at Mark chapter four. We're gonna talk about the four types of ground. And this is literally not uh, instruction in how to be born again. It's talking about lessons in discipleship. This is what it is. All four types of ground are believers, all right? There's another one that Jesus talked about where the seed was the gospel being sown around the world. And there was somebody out there for 
sowing false seed. That's not what this is. This is the sower who is the minister in the church and he's sowing seed, which is the word of God, and it lands on four different types of ground, representing four levels of maturity as we come into discipleship following the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter four, I want you to take a look with me beginning in verse 14. We're gonna read down through verse 20. Here it says, he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside. The ones by the wayside is hard ground. It's called another one in another one of the parables listed, teaching this again, that it's hard ground. And this hard ground is a believer, all right? So all four types of ground are believers, but as you look out across your congregation, ministers, or you ever stand up there and be able to minister the word of God for yourself, or you have a Bible school uh, class, or you have a Bible study, or you simply have a Sunday school class that meets on Sunday, or else you have one of those that meet in homes. It simply comes back to this. The ones you're ministering to out there who go to the church represent four different types of ground. The first one is that on the wayside, which is not plowed, it's hard ground. It says the first is on the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Now, how can Satan take it immediately? Because although it says it was sown in their heart, it was basically sown on their heart. It might've sunk a little bit, but it's enough to where the, that the Satan can come and steal that away. It says when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Verse 16, these are likewise the ones on stone stony ground. Now the stony ground has been plowed on top, but there's still rocks underneath it. And it's going to be a hard time pulling those out, but it's simply something you have to do. And so these are likewise the ones thrown on stony ground. And when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Notice the other ones again, immediately received it. And Satan came and immediately took it away. In this one, it says it fell on stony ground and the stones represent the hardness of life and different things that stand in the way, tribulation, persecution, all these things. So the stony ground here represents somebody that's further along than the hard ground, at least has been, you know, plowed a little bit, but the stones are still there. It says when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves. The stones keep the roots from growing down. And so they only endure for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation, persecution, the hardships of life arise for the word's sake. Notice why do problems come along? It's because of the word's sake, it says, immediately they stumble, immediately they fall. Verse 18, here's the third type of ground. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. Thorns here are the cares and the necessities of life. It's the, if this isn't trials and troubles come along, this is just the daily cares of life. The despairing for all that's going on in the world around us, it says, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Listen, riches are wonderful if you know how to handle it, but if you don't, they become deceitful. And the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it, that is the word, becomes unfruitful. But there are those that are sown on good ground. So what have we had so far? Hard ground, we've had stony ground, we've had thorns, and now we have good ground. 
And this is the fourth type of ground, but these are the ones sown on good ground, who when they hear the word, they accept it, they bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. Good ground is the one that the one that owns the ground has taken time to plow it right, to reach down and take the rocks and pull them out, slow work. If you've ever been to Israel, there's not a piece of ground you can find that doesn't have rocks just sitting off on the side, almost walls of them that came out of the ground. When I was in Israel, they said that when God created the earth, he had a bag of stones, he was throwing them here and there. And when, they, when he got over Israel, the bag broke. And so all the rocks fell down. So that's a great description of what we saw when we were there. And listen, we had people on in our group that were farmers and they said, I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for this land. They said, there's so much rocks here. How in the world do they ever, and not only do they get good stuff out of it, they got incredible crops out of it. That is God's happening whenever his people are on his land. So again, verse 20, these are the ones sown on good ground. These are the ones who again have plowed. They've got in there, removed the rocks. They've also removed the thorns and the thistles and all that kind of stuff. And they've come down, all this left is just ground. And the more they work with it, the better it gets. So these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, that's accept the word, and then bear fruit. Some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. Here is the concept of discipleship. The concept of discipleship is it takes work. It takes work to look at yourself and realize I have a hard heart here, begin to work on it and begin to work on it. And Satan will oppose that when you do. Then you realize once you've worked on that, there's hard things in your life. I mean, you've got bad attitudes that are there, been there for years and you go to work on those bad attitudes. You begin to get them and remove them and throw them off on the side. And then after that, you begin to find out there's cares in this life. I got problems with my kids. I got problems with my house. I got problems with my car. Everywhere I turn, I got problems. People don't like me that used to like me. Now that I'm in church, people don't like me. I've got a whole new group of friends. But what happens then? You begin to work on those thorns and thistles in your life, begin to remove them. And finally, what do you have when it's all said and done? Good ground. Now you start to plant in that good ground. And guess what happens? Man, things begin to happen. Wonderful. Now you hear the word, you accept it, you begin to bear fruit. Bearing fruit, according to the book of John, is an, is, is an outward expression of a disciple. Bearing fruit simply shows that you have come to a point in your life where it's no longer about you. Why does a tree bear fruit? Because the tree doesn't eat it itself. The fruit is out there for passerbys to grab the fruit and eat it. Your life is the same way. God wants you to bear fruit so that no, you don't stand there and brag on yourself. No good tree does. You have fruit out there for the rest of the world. A disciple is more concerned about others than he is for himself. Those who hear the word, then they accept it, then they bear fruit. And notice this, it starts out with 30-fold, after that 60-fold, and then some 100-fold. We're talking here about a growth for the rest of your life that just keeps on increasing and keeps on increasing and to where one day discipleship is just something that you are. It's not something you're striving at anymore. You are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have actually passed the point of prolific sin. What I'm talking about is there's still times in your life you sin, but it's one of those things you actually have to scratch your head, look at your wife or husband and say, when's the last time we committed a sin? I know it sounds like a silly question, but you stop and think and say, I can't think about it. I mean, and we just seem like we follow God every single day. There are times you sin. It could be sins of attitude or bitterness or jealousy or something like that, but you stop to think about it. I can't remember. 
Well, you know, you can mark it down and wait for the time to happen. And sure enough, one day you'll find yourself, you know, inadvertently sinning and you'll go, what, what, where, what word came out of my mouth? How did behind that word had to be a thought? How did that even creep in there? But you're immediately, immediately you say, God, forgive me of that. First John 1, 9, and you go on your way. So this is what happens with good ground. Good ground is those who hear the word, then accept the word. Then they begin to bear fruit and the fruit comes out 30 fold and 60, 100. Listen, what it's simply saying here in your life is this, is that being a disciple of the Lord never stops. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and better. And even when you die, you're gonna look at your life and say, you know what, I still had a ways to go. But you know what, Lord, thank you for the progress we made. Thank you for the, for the territory that was covered. Thank you, Father, for all the steps that have been taken. And Father, I'm further down the road than I ever was when I got born again. And I'm further down the road than I was a year ago. And you look at your life and this is the way it is. When you come to church, we're going, we're going to take a look. In fact, you can turn there. We're getting close to the break. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to take a look at verses 20 through 23 and find out that what I'm telling you here in these verses of scripture about the four types of ground really are a reference to growing in the things of God. And the greatest place to grow in the things of God is church sitting there, not only hearing the word of God, but from somebody who's gifted and anointed to teach it. That's why throughout the word of God, they were commanded in the Old Testament to go to the temple, to go to the tabernacle, and in the New Testament, also go to the church. In, the, in chapter four of Acts, when Peter and John saw the man at the gate beautiful and they laid hands on him and he was healed, it says that verse right there, when the man was healed, he went walking and leaping, praising God and followed them into the temple. The first thing that should happen when a person accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior is you become a friend to them and you lead them to church to where one day you no longer have to lead them to church. It's part of their life. And in church is where they hear the greatness of God's word. Oh, they can study on their own and we should. We should all do that. But there's nothing like sitting under an anointed minister, a pastor that you're called to be with in that church because you found the one that feeds you the best. And so again, when we come back from the break, we'll go right to this. Second Timothy chapter 2. I'll see you right after the break. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website 
at bobbyandian.com and click on Partnership. The four types of ground we discussed just before the break came from uh, the four Gospels. And Jesus talked about the four different types of ground in two different sections of Scripture there, but it's explained in the local church in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's why I'd like you to get this flash drive. It'll be a great blessing to you, and you'll understand so much more because Timothy applies it to everyday life for the believer. It's no longer just, you know, uh, talking about a, a parable. He now brings it over and makes the application of it in the local church. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't have a local church, you are missing the will of God. Don't get this idea that a church is just for other people, not for me. I have more important things that go to church. You will never go to heaven and hear God say you gave too much money to the church or you attended the church too much. You'll never hear that because what God wants to reward you for, there's rewards in heaven for how you spent your money and how much of it went into the kingdom of God, but also for church attendance. God is going to bless you there and again, make it an important part of your life. And you may have a guest minister come along or maybe the pastor isn't there this week and you're tempted not to go to church, go to church because church is more than just the teaching of the word of God. It's fellowship with all the saints around you. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. While you're finding 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, I have a, a note here from Fernando and he comments, he says, you are the best pastor, Bob. Thank you for everything. Well, I don't think I'm the best, but you're welcome for everything that I have taught you. And again, and if you got something to say, something, let us know. Well, then just, you know, send it to us. Let us know. Send us an email telling what a great blessing this has been to you or even something that blessed you on the broadcast. I'd love to hear from you. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says this in verse 20 through 23, in a great house, the word here for great is mega, and it's a reference to the great house or the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It could be a storefront you're meeting in right now. It could be a rented building you're meeting in right now. You might be meeting in a school somewhere, or you might have your own building, but you know what? I don't care how small it is. I don't care how insignificant it is. It's a great house. God sees the local church as a great house. And he says in a great house, that's the local church, there are not only vessels, and the vessels here are those who attend. These are believers. These are members. And it goes where the other one went from the worst type of ground, hard ground to good ground. This one goes the other way around. It starts with the best ground and then goes down to the least. And they're called different things. Here it's called by uh, elements. It says there are members of gold and silver, also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now listen to me carefully. It isn't God that makes you for honor or God that makes you for dishonor. Yes, it is. It says right there that, you know, that some have been made for honor and some for dishonor. No, as we read it, we're going to find out something. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is the sins mentioned before up through verse 19. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be future tense, a vessel for honor. In other words, you make yourself a vessel for honor. When you're first born, born again, you are a piece of clay. When you're first born again, you're hard ground and you have to start working to get toward good ground. In this one, we start with the best, which is gold underneath that silver, underneath that wood and underneath that clay. Isn't it interesting? Four different vessels in the house of God and four different types of ground. We're talking about the same thing here. What's the main purpose of church? It is to become a disciple. 
Soul winning is mainly outside the church, but discipleship primarily takes place inside the church. Can we disciple people outside the church? Yes, but the best place to do it and the most place you're gonna get it done is in the local church. Can we also see people saved in church? Yes, but the masses are saved outside the church. And so the church primarily has been given for the perfecting of the saints. Notice again, it says in a great house, that's the church, there are not only vessels, these are believers, members who are there, of gold and silver, wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. And so whenever you're born again, you're a vessel basically of dishonor. You are a child of God, but there's so much that needs to be cleansed inside of you. And that's where you start the cleansing process. How do you cleanse yourself? It's through the word of God. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, from the latter, he will be, future tense, a vessel for honor. You can go from a clay vessel to a golden vessel. If you keep on studying, promoting the word of God, growing in it, applying it to your daily life, using it in your prayer, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. Sanctified is a word that has to do with, again, growing up in the things of God, becoming a disciple. Sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work, and this is what a disciple does. Verse 22, flee also, but I want you to notice the word also here. Why am I teaching on this? Because this is not only addressed to the congregation, it's addressed to the pastor. And when he says, flee also youthful lust, he's speaking now to the pastor. He simply switches over. I want you to notice something, pastors, no pastor is fully mature yet. You are not to the point you should be. I pastored for 33 years. I stepped down over 10 years ago from pastoring. And you know what's happening in my life? I'm still growing up. I'm learning things today I never knew when I pastored, seeing things I never knew when I was pastoring. And now that I'm out of the pastorate, I'm teaching here on a television broadcast and doing it every single day. I'm growing in things I never, I've got lists now of sermons that I'm just looking for someplace to preach it. You understand what I'm saying? So I take a class. Anybody wants me to do, I'll do it. And especially in the church, I have classes in our church. And so I teach there. But I want you to notice again, it says flee also. Pastors, not only should they flee youthful lust, you need to do it too. Flee also youthful lust, and the Greeks calls this sins of immaturity. Flee also, pastors, with your congregation, sins of immaturity. What is a pastor supposed to do? What he's teaching his congregation to do. You are not superior. They are not inferior to you. You are all together and you may be, and you should be past them. They're here maturing. You should be just a step or two ahead of them always each week, pursuing, pursuing God. And don't be surprised if somebody comes up and adds something to your sermon that you go, whoa, that was great. And be open to your congregation, but you should always pursue and always be working at staying a step or two ahead of your people. Flee also, pastors, youthful lust, sins of immaturity. So let me say it here. Pastors also, not only should the congregation be sanctified, not only should they become vessels of honor, you can always be better in your own life. Never think because you're the pastor, you can get away with things the congregation cannot. Sin is sin. I don't care if it's in the king or in the peasant, in the pastor or the, or the clay vessel that's a Attending. So you also, pastors, need to flee youthful lust, sins of immaturity. And here's what you need to pursue. You need to pursue righteousness. You say, but I am righteous. I'm born again. This is a life of righteousness. This is not righteousness inside of you, which has been given to you at the new birth. This is a walk of righteousness, a 
lifestyle of righteousness to where your lifestyle on the outside reflects what you are on the inside. This is spiritual growth. Pastors, you also never reach a point of fully knowing of everything once you're taken out of here by physical death or the rapture and get to heaven. You're gonna see just how much you didn't know. Literally, heaven and eternity will be pursuing after more understanding of God and who you are in Christ. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What's he saying here? I've talked to pastors who have just become discouraged. I mean, there's a group of people in my church, Pastor Bob, that I mean, they're terrible. I mean, they gripe about me, they complain about me. I say, yes, yes, you're gonna have some clay in the church, but do you have some wood, silver, and gold? Are there some good ones? Yes, but you know, they absorb so much of my time. I'm constantly chasing after what they're doing. I'm talking about them and literally, they occupy so much of my thoughts. Well, stop it. Quit looking at them. Notice this, you pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Keep your eyes on the good ones, not on the bad ones. In fact, if you keep your eyes on the good ones, you're gonna find yourself huffing and puffing, trying to stay ahead of them in your understanding of the word of God because it's those with a pure heart that understand more of the word of God than anybody there. Keep your eyes on the gold. Keep your eyes on the silver. Don't keep your eyes on the wood and clay. No, understand they're always gonna be out there, but don't keep staring at them, hoping they're finally gonna get this thing. That's not up to you. That's their own personal choice and by the prodding of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, verse 23, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they will generate strife. So what's he saying here? Pastors, he's still talking to you. You need to stay away from subjects that are controversial. There's times you can take them up, but not every single week. And you shouldn't keep coming back again, preaching on things that you think are correct and everybody else in your mind is wrong. So pastors have to flee sins of immaturity, just like the people. You're asking the people to go from immaturity into being a full grown Christian. You need to do the same thing as far as the office of the pastor. The four vessels correspond to the four types of ground we discussed in Mark 4. All are types of believers in the church of God, all at different spiritual levels. What are sins of immaturity? Let's talk about it with pastors, okay? Pastors, I wanna direct this at you, but really your congregation picks it up from you. You're driven by numbers attending. That is a sin of immaturity. Yes, it's great when people come. It's nice to comment on it, but don't keep striving every week to get more people to come. More people does not indicate a better church. So the first thing is you're driven by numbers attending. Quit being driven by it. All right, thank God when they come, but understand something, those coming through the door, a lot of them are also clay and wood. You need to, again, start, keep working on the ones that are there. And next of all, you compete to have the largest church in the city. You look at other churches, how large they are, and that becomes your goal. I've gotta be bigger than that one, bigger than that one. And so, no, it simply comes back to it. You're there to educate your people and see them grow. One person growing from this level to this level ought to cause rejoicing in you, not the fact that 40 more came the week, this week than they did last week. Here's one, every sermon must outdo the last one. What is this? It's competition with yourself. And you keep thinking, wow, last week was great. Man, there was anointing and whoo, man, God's presence was so good. I've got to try to outdo it this week. Listen. There's some, sometimes you're gonna preach a word and the congregation won't say anything. Other times they'll be yelling amen. What's the point? Well, the point is this, their amens don't make last week's sermon better than this one. Maybe they're quiet this week because this one's getting inside and cleaning them out. 
And after the church service is over, they're going, wow, I haven't heard anything like that. Honestly, I needed that. Well, you were quiet through the whole thing. That is no indicator. It was not a good sermon. You look for compliments to judge the quality of your sermon. Well, if people judge you and they and they judge by the quality of your sermon, they could literally say it because they liked it. It's their favorite subject, but somebody else, it wasn't their favorite subject. So quit looking for compliments. Keep preaching what God has laid upon your heart. You're too moved by compliments and criticism. You think you must be loved by everybody. No pastor, no minister is ever gonna be loved by everybody. So quit being so moved by their compliments or their criticism. Keep doing what God asks you to do. And here's the last one. You preach to impress other ministers. You hope the minister down the street at the first church of whatever hears this and can compliment you. You want to actually move out of your own realm into bigger realms of the city, of the state, of the country, and perhaps the world be known by that. It simply comes back to this. Preach what God told you to preach. Preach to whoever walks through the door. And that is God's simple stamp of approval on you when you preach and say, I did what God told me to do. Thanks for watching today. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.